0: welcome to locked on kentucky your daily kentucky podcast on locked on podcast network i'm curtis birch host and producer on news radio 630 wlap the home of the cats right here in lexington
1: and i'm kyle tucker of the athletic and together curtis and i are here every day monday through friday talking the cats if it's a big deal to the big blue nation you can hear it right here on the locked on podcast network
0: this edition of the show is brought to you by First Watch. We'll tell you more about them in just a bit. This is a special edition of Lockdown, Kentucky. We're going to do season in review. We're going to talk about our favorite moments, favorite stories, favorite plays, favorite players, all kinds of stuff. Uh, just kind of recapping this, the Kentucky basketball season overall from the start in the Bahamas to the end um, against Auburn in the Elite Eight. And I guess, Kyle the easiest play to start, the easiest place to start is the beginning. And that was in the Bahamas and na 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 boo boo. I was there. You weren't. I will continually <laughs> rub that in your face forever. Um, but you know, outside of the beautiful sun and sand and beach, the basketball on the court was really impressive, uh, from that team. Uh, people tried to disparage the competition they're playing, but that mega B max team ended up beating Michigan in another, uh, Overseas tour that Michigan took, so the the teams were okay they faced, but I kind of set the season up, and it it was a kind of a nice little little preview of Kentucky basketball.
1: It was, and it was sort of a preview of um, you know the maybe the best version of them, certainly offensively playing loose and you know sharing the ball, and um, I think you know maybe set the expectations higher than what they should have been for the, for the start of the season. Uh, I think, you know, Cal Perry said I'm not intoxicated and later admitted that maybe he was, um, you know, I did a piece going into the postseason on kind of how they rebuilt themselves after that Duke game and, um, talking to people on and off the record. And a lot of folks kind of said like they could tell that Cal and probably the players, um, maybe drank too much Kool-Aid from that Bahamas trip as, as fun as it was for everybody to watch and as as exciting as it was as, as, as excited as everybody got about it. Um, you know, maybe it is fair to say, well, let's take a step back. These are exhibition games who are you really playing? Um, because I think they got, they went a little overconfident into the rest of the, the off season slash preseason. Um, and then kinda got their heads beat in <laughs> in the opening game against Duke.
0: And the highlight of the whole experience was the night the lights went out <laughs> in Nassau. Uh,
1: <laughs> Tyler Hero shot him out, right? Was that the one that, the night he really went got going offensively?
0: Yep. And that was the joke literally everyone on the island made. And um but the the side story of that that I really enjoyed because the lights going out during that thing was it was a little scary, but then we were told, oh, the electric goes out on the island all the time. No worries about that. Um, but once we got over that factor, uh, it, it was weird because they did the little flip scores uh, where they like you on your regular rec league that you bring out those little things that you just keep the score manually. It didn't, yep. Like all the lights didn't come on, and they're like, are we going to play? Are we going to knock play? Calipari made a big deal about how he said it, the players wanted to get out here and play, and so they were they came out and played. And then afterwards, when we were doing post-game interviews, my favorite thing was when I was talking to Tyler Hero, all of a sudden the lights went out again. And that's when I kind of saw like that first Tyler Hero smile that kind of became a common occurrence after he had a a great play, great game. He was like, oh, the lights went out again. And and that kind of set up good portions of his season for what he was.
1: Yeah, the smirk, the... uh... Yeah, yeah, I did that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Smirk that we saw quite a few times.
0: All right, so let's let's jump into the season. We're going to we Kyle mentioned the Duke game. It's probably, you know, as much needs to be said, everyone's very very remembers it well. It reset expectations um Kyle, and you know, you you said you you referenced your piece about how they kind of re- had to rebuild from that. Honestly, I felt like most of the, the not, the pre-conference season was kind of like, meh, you know what I mean? wasn't wasn't yeah. super great game until you got into the North Carolina Louisville portion. wasn't great games, uh, not a lot of great play. I don't know if like anything in that stretch stood out to you.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing that the Duke game exposed was, was that they had not done enough work defensively, and in that piece I wrote. Um, you know, some folks said that. You know, and and Cal said, you know, I, I, I it, you know, I missed it. I think is what his line was. I missed it. And, and some other folks told me, you know, he didn't do some of the basic teaching and and instruction that he did usually does defensively because he was so sure that this team was ahead of others. You know, he had a bunch of freshmen who were were you know renowned as defenders. He had PJ back. He had some other guys back. You know, felt like he could count on Reed Travis. Uh, he just came out of that Bahamas trip feeling like he didn't need to teach that. And so he kind of had to reset after the Duke game. And so those those early kind of crummy games, uh, you know, you saw VMI and Winthrop in back-to-back games at 33 threes against Kentucky. Or no, it was more than that. Uh, I can't even remember. Maybe it was 43. It was a bunch of threes. Just absolutely shelled them. Yeah, they won those games, but they were closer than people would have liked. Um, the um, I think the UNC Greensboro game was the one game in that stretch where you knew that was a pretty good opponent. That was a team that uh, made a little bit of a run in the NIT. Probably could have been an NCAA tournament team this year. Uh, had an elite scorer in Alonzo who lit them up in the first half. And then you saw Ashton Higgins um, say, I want him in the second half and lock him down. I think he held him to three points in the second half. That was the beginning of Ashton Hagen's flourish where he became a, an elite defender, which faded toward the end of the year, but, but where for a long stretch he became an elite defender. And it set up, I think, what I would call the rebirth of Kentucky this season. Um, coming out of that game, they started to feel good about themselves. They still had another loss coming. They lost that Seton Hall game in overtime. You saw uh, Kelvin Johnson even in that loss, and, and some people rolled their eyes, saying, "You know, Cal saying this, we're going to treat this like a win, basically." Um, well, and he's done that over the over the years, where he sort of like rewrites wins and losses to his to his own benefit for the for the message he's trying to send. Um, but they did see things they really liked in that game. PJ Washington. And I think had really his first really dominant performance of the season. I think he had like twenty nine and fifteen. Kelvin Johnson hits the half court shot to send it to overtime. He hits a big three to put him ahead in overtime, uh, and they end up missing on a last second uh, shot. But that was where that was that stretch where you started to go maybe they're putting it together, Um, and then you hit North Carolina and Louisville, and they did put it together.
0: Well, we can. Let's jump into to that stretch uh, after a, a quick break because obviously those were two big games. Louisville's was a game, big game every year, and North Carolina was finally kind of a, the game where people thought, hey, maybe this team is, is close to what we thought they were in the Bahamas. But before we get into that, I do want to tell you guys about First Watch, which is a, a breakfast and lunch spot. It's great. They got a new, new location over by the Lexington Mall. Um, just opened up there um near the near the target. I'm sure, everybody knows where the target is. And uh, they have all kinds of delicious breakfast dishes, including the famous million dollar bacon, which we tell you about all the time. They also have their mobile app where you can check on wait times and uh, you can even check in before you get there. They're open from seven a m to two thirty p m. They've got locations in Louisville, Cincinnati, here in Lexington. All those places are locally owned, so go check them all out. First watch. Yeah, it's fresh. You are locked on Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. North Carolina kind of was was very surprising <laughs> to me. I think we were on agreement. We were both up in there in Chicago, and I thought that it was going to take an unbelievable performance from Kentucky, but... They just thoroughly dominated that game, and that was the first time I feel like they kind of reasserted themselves as a team this year.
1: Yeah, and it was you know when I I'll just kind of keep referencing that piece because I that I wrote uh, going into the postseason because I kind of revisited all the hallmark spots of the of the year, and and the the folks close to the program that I talked to all said that game was was sort of the rebirth, officially the rebirth. It's where those guys in that locker room, a lot of them freshmen, got to look at themselves and say we can play with good people again. Um, you know, because the reality of it is when you get your brains beat in by 34 points by Duke on opening night when you're a preseason number 1 or 2 team, um, you you go, are we any good? <laughs> you know, and then you lose to Seton Hall and you Get challenged by some lesser teams. You say, "Are we any good?" Uh, and so it was really important that they go beat a quality opponent, one that everyone in the country recognized as a quality opponent, a name opponent, a ranked opponent. Um, you know, on a national stage in the uh, CBS Sports Classic, sort of the the other version of the event they got beat by Duke in the Champions Classic um, on a neutral court. All those things and and. You know, I, I'm dominated. Maybe too strong a word, but I, they controlled that game. I think they led for 35 or 36, maybe 37 minutes um, of that North Carolina game, and it never got crazy or far away from Carolina. But Kentucky, it always felt like was in control. Always had the lead, one by seven or eight. Um, and that game, we talk about Ashton Hagens, uh, where the second half of the UNC greensboro game is where he started to assert himself the north carolina game is where you could not deny that ashton higgins was you know the guy and and the catalyst for the turnaround of the season he had uh eight steals he tied the school record um that really became
0: co- that uh that started the streak of uh ashton Haggins getting bonus steals after after games finished <laughs>
1: Yes, there was a time where I'm pretty sure the statisticians were doing everything they could to help him chase down a steals record. He ended up falling way off that pace. I think he ended up with 60 steals. Uh, I think Rondo's steals record is in the 80s, maybe 83, 87. 87 sounds right to me. Um, So he was pretty far off that. But there was a stretch there where it was like he had the eight in that game and, and really shut down Kobe White, who was a star for North Carolina, uh, then he had, like, five and four and three and six and five, like, every game for, uh, you know, a dozen or so games. And people started going, as he the best on-ball defender in the country. Um, and that stretch of games is really where he established himself enough to the point that he, he won uh, SEC Co-Defensive Player of the Year as a freshman, even though he really fell off towards the end of the regular season and through postseason. Um he just made such a name for himself right there in the middle of the schedule and in the games, in a lot of games that people were paying attention you know, he goes and plays a really good game against Louisville. And um, so, you know, they, they win that North Carolina game and then they go on the road and play at their rivals and Louisville had gotten off to a really nice start under Chris Mack. And they, again, you know, didn't totally blow Louisville out, but they, they controlled that game really start to finish and, you know, led by double digits at several points. And,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: just, I had no trouble with
0: it. That was the um, breakout game for Tyler Hero, who had twenty four points, and that's what, one where he kind of announced himself to a national audience. You know, he he'd had that great Bahamas trip, he'd gotten a lot of publicity. You know, but he hadn't had the big game on the big stage, and he definitely had it in the Yum Center. Um, so that that was really interesting to see. And 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 I do want to point out that Kelton Johnson played unbelievably well in both the UNC and Louisville game. He had 15 points against Louisville and led the scoring um, for Kentucky in the UNC game with 21, um, 16 of which came in the second half. So that was where he really started to get it rolling, and unfortunately for him and Kentucky, he faded a little bit late. Uh, But during that stretch, to that point, honestly, Kyle, I remember having this discussion with you, he had been the most consistent Kentucky player, I felt like, to that point in the season.
1: Yeah, and you know... That even going a little deeper into the season, you know he he had performed really well against all the ranked you know opponents. I mean, even in the Duke game, I think he had twenty his first college game um, or somewhere around there. Um, uh, you know, so I, it just uh, he I think he um, sort of started stronger than the rest, and then Ashton came on defensively and Tyler came on offensively. And, and maybe it was connected to that, that those guys emerged. And then P.J. really kind of went on a dominant streak that, that maybe uh, Keldon took a back seat, maybe deferred. I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it in that way. But, yeah, he started so strong and then kind of uh, eased off the gas, it felt like. Uh, you know, you had the, the game coming shortly thereafter at Auburn uh, when he, he made it. He had, had I think, a zero-point game the game before uh, at Georgia where Ashton Haggins had his best offensive night of the season. The next game they're at Auburn and Kellen Johnson's, he's gone scoreless the night before uh, and he makes an early mistake. And and I think one of the, the sort of moments of the season was Kellen Johnson uh, getting yelled at by Ashton Mm Haggins to wake the bleep up. Uh, And he did, he woke up and I think he scored 17 points in the, from that point forward. uh, And Kentucky won that big game at Auburn. Um, Sort of uh, probably a name that Kentucky fans don't want to hear right now. Auburn, team Kentucky beat twice in the regular season and lost to in the Elite Eight.
0: Yeah, I don't think you need to remind people of that, Kyle. They they they're aware of what happened in, in, <laughs> in the most recent game. But keep in mind, and I I don't know, did I make that point about Auburn kind of surging late and becoming like a Kentucky of a couple seasons ago, where they had all the hype early and then finally leave, lived up to expectations in the tournament because. When Kentucky went down there and played Auburn, they were still 14th in the country and very, very highly thought of. That was a really impressive win. Um, and you know, Tyler Hero again had had some big buckets late. Uh, it kind of you know they they withstood a, a big comeback from Auburn and was able to pull that win out on the road. It felt like I'm trying to remember. Kyle, was that their first? Well, no, they won at Louisville, but that was you know that was a, a good road victory uh, early on in the in the conference tournament. Then they had and that the-
1: was that was the game that was the game after you know you mentioned the Louisville breakout on the road for Tyler Hero then he plays well at Auburn and I think he hit some big free throws down the stretch and that was the game in the post game press conference where Hero said I just like making yes. big shots against people who don't like us
0: yes that's uh, right
1: which you know and and if you if you go do the numbers I mean he was with with very few exceptions and Knoxville being one of them. But with very few exceptions, he was fantastic in road environments. And you, I think you can trace that to the sort of the abuse he took his senior year in high school after he backed out of the commitment to Wisconsin, picked Kentucky, and he still had to play a whole year in that state. And, and, and all the opposing gyms he went to, people just absolutely harassed him. They harassed his family. Uh, they brought snakes to the game. And, you know, I think he got so used to playing in hostile environments and rising to that challenge that when he got to Kentucky – uh, it was no big deal.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that that's that's factual. I've that for, I've forgotten that was the place where that that famous quote came from, and and we'll talk more about some some famous Tyler Hero quotes uh, here in a bit. But uh, the last out of conference game of the regular season that Kentucky had, of course, came in the middle of conference play. They they took down Kansas, who at that point had started to begin faltering, um, and by the end of the year. You know, Auburn takes them down in the round of 32. But at that point, Kansas was still ranked ninth overall. PJ Washington had another monster game 20 points, 13 rebounds. Anytime you can beat, you know, the blue bloods of North Carolina and Kansas, I think Kentucky fans will take that in a regular season.
1: Yeah, and the wheels hadn't fallen all the way off. Legira Vic was still on the team. He ended up leaving the team. Um, You know, they had lost Azabuki and they they had Siva uh, or. Sylvia uh Silvio D'Souza <laughs> I get get this, these names mixed up. Uh, had been sitting out with the NCAA uh, suspension. So they had or they were down a little bit, but they weren't quite the shell of themselves that, that they ended up being. Also crazy to note, uh, just as crazy as it was at Kentucky as a preseason number two went and got destroyed by Duke to open the year, Kansas was the preseason number one team in the country. And uh, saw its roster decimated. Saw its uh, streak of Big 12 titles end. I think at 14 in a row, uh, and then lost in the round of 32, as you mentioned. Uh, it's crazy how how rapidly the Jayhawks decline. But at that one, in that moment, that was a big win, and uh, you know I think it was another one of those confidence building wins for Kentucky where it was like, okay, we can play with good people. You know, you've, you've beaten Carolina now. You've won at Louisville. You've won at Auburn, which was highly thought of. You've uh, beaten Kansas. And I believe that Kansas game, Kansas, Auburn, and Mississippi State were all in a row, and at the time, all those teams were ranked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they, they won three consecutive games against ranked teams. And that's that's the point, I think. If the North Carolina game was where you thought, okay, maybe they're going to turn it around, that stretch of games – was where you said maybe they really are one of the best three or four teams in the country.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we're going to wrap up the rest of the, the, the conference play uh, coming up in a bit because there's a game that is against a really inferior opponent. But it was a game where my eyes were just open because it showed that this team could be very, very dominant in stretches. This is Locked On Kentucky. Your team every day. I made my first trip to Memorial Gymnasium in Nashville, Kyle. You'd been there plenty of times. Um, A, that place is weird. Uh, but B, that's where I was like, holy crap, this team is really freaking good. And John Calipari joked, and looking back now, it's kind of like, ugh, maybe he was right. He said that he told his team after that Vanderbilt blowout win uh, that they didn't like teams peaking this early, but he said it with a chuckle. Um, but that is, I think, you you just said that they had come off three straight wins over ranked teams. That's when they this is the stretch where they had it rolling the most. They were fully healthy and like everybody was playing really well.
1: Yeah, and I, I forget what they gave up like 15 points in the first half.
0: I have it written down here, Vanderbilt. It was 45 to 15 at half.
1: I'm pretty proud of my memory on that one but yeah that's uh I think that was like an all-time low it was I mean you would think it would be uh, yeah I mean it, it's not the same as when they did that to to UCLA uh in the 2015 year because UCLA was certainly a better team there and Vanderbilt eh, we know just was a disaster um a team that Ended up losing the last 20 games of the regular season and getting the coach fired in year two. Uh, but I believe it was the game or two games before that, that 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 same Vanderbilt team had taken Tennessee all the way to the wire, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. It was the
0: game before uh, I remember that storyline, yeah.
1: And should have beaten uh, Tennessee. Kind of got a couple bad whistles. Um, and so then t- then Kentucky comes in there and just absolutely obliterates Vanderbilt – and you you go well. I mean, you know, these are you know Tennessee and Kentucky. We think are the top two teams in the league. And one came here and almost lost, and the other came here and just flattened them like roadkill. You know, maybe this yeah maybe this is a special team. Even though you knew that Vanderbilt team wasn't good, uh, that was quite a quite a show on the road for a, a pretty young group,
0: without a doubt. Uh, then you know you go through. They win at Florida. Have an impressive second half. Uh, wins against South Carolina in blowout fashion. South Carolina ended up being a decent team uh, in conference play. South Carolina was terrible that, at a conference. but
1: That Florida game, too, we going talk about sort of little seminal moments uh, in the season. P.J. Washington, I think they were down 11 or 13. I think they were down 11 points with 13 minutes to go, if my memory serves. And P.J. Washington gathered those guys up in a mm-hmm. huddle and got pretty animated. He was not just talking to them. He was yelling at them um, and basically kind of said the, his version of the Higgins thing know, wake the bleep up. And from that moment on, I think they outscored Florida by 25 or something like that and won comfortably. And that was a, that was an important moment. That was PJ Washington, not just playing really well for them, but taking a, a leadership role for them. And that was in that stretch of, I believe uh, in the stretch of 10 games where PJ Washington Uh, Finally, kind of kept his uh, motor running. uh, Provided that glimpse of uh, consistency that everybody had hoped they would see in him. It was uh, you you mentioned the the Vanderbilt game before that. That was that was a game for PJ where he had a big night. And Cal said in the post game uh i'm not you know we're, we're only halfway up the mountain and i'm not letting us go backwards i'm not letting him go backwards he stayed on pj washington he was coaching him hard even though they were in a blowout win uh because he was he said i've waited a year and a half for this pj and i'm not going to let him go back and and i would say it's impressive that he did not let mm-hmm. him go back um and so that florida game pj played well he showed some leadership and that was in a stretch of 10 games where people P.J. averaged, I think, 21 points uh, and seven rebounds, shot over 50% from three. And in that, that 10-game stretch, we talk about the Hagan stretch where he established his reputation as a defender. That 10-game stretch is where P.J. Washington got himself into the mix as an SEC Player of the Year candidate. I believe he was the basically the runner-up to Grant Williams, as it turned out, and also where he earned everyone in the country's respect enough that he has since become a unanimous uh, uh, third team All American.
0: Yep. Uh, the next game I think that is of significance, obviously, they took down number one Tennessee, ended the Volunteers' 19 game winning streak. PJ Washington had 23 points. Uh, and I think that that took him to your point uh, about him becoming, you know, in the national consciousness and possibly SEC player of the year. That took that discussion to another level and obviously deservedly so, um, considering everything that happened. Um, I-, I thought that was. That was one of the most impressive wins that whole season. They just controlled Tennessee from start to finish.
1: Yeah, and that was, you know, they they led by as many as 24. They won by 17. The Tennessee guys talked about being embarrassed afterwards. That was also, we talk about Tyler Hero quotes. Tyler Hero uh, said, I think they're afraid of P.J., were scared of P.J., and uh, that maybe came back to haunt them a little bit because that clearly got back to the Tennessee folks, and they referenced it. Admiral Schofield referenced it. Uh, Kentucky ends up losing Reed Travis for the last five games of the regular season uh, with that knee sprain, and when they go back to Knoxville, that's very much uh, on those Tennessee guys' minds, and the favor got returned in a big (laughs) big way.
0: Yeah, yeah, later on, obviously, Tennessee – Got their own blowout win over Kentucky. Uh, a couple other, you know, obviously you can't go. I actually did skip a game that is of note um, right before Tennessee. Obviously, Kentucky lost on that. Controversial tip-in against LSU. Um, and then after the Tennessee game, the Missouri game, and obviously the only the thing that is most notable there is the fact that Reed Travis was injured in that game uh, in the knee sprain, and that obviously... Had an impact on the rest of the, the regular season, um, Kyle. Um, you know, they follow the Tennessee. That, prob- that game in Knoxville, I don't think Reed Travis can make up for everything, um, but obviously he could help. And it kind of seemed like to me they didn't get all the way back in rhythm by the time the tournament started, the SEC tournament.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and you wonder, you, you really do wonder. You mentioned two things there that make you wonder if, if two things go differently. Uh, you know, does if the ball rolls out against LSU and they win the LSU game and the Tennessee game in the same week, uh, they're in control for the, for the regular season uh, SEC championship and the one seed, uh, that obviously changes their bracket in Nashville. Uh, you wonder, too, if, if Reed doesn't hurt that knee and miss the last five regular season games, um, you know, do they lose, do they maybe keep their momentum rolling? Because, I mean, they were rolling at that point um do they do they keep that rolling? do they beat Tennessee and Knoxville as well or, or not lose as bad and do they do they go into the SEC tournament with a little more continuity because you know Reed Travis came back for the first time in those first SEC tournament games um all those things you you wonder and, and at that point the question becomes if he stays healthy, do they end up as a one seed uh, do they end up as a one seed in Louisville? Uh, for the second weekend of the tournament, and does that make a huge difference um, You know, in their ability to get through? You, you never will know, obviously, but I think the fact that they, they finished the regular season five games without Reed Travis and had to reacquaint themselves with him, and then the fact that they played their first two NCAA tournament games without P.J. Washington, um, there was just so much about their team that was in flux heading into that second weekend of the NCAA tournament, that you do wonder if they just stayed fully healthy down the stretch, uh, do things turn out differently? I mean, the main thing being, do they end up with a better seed and a better location?
0: Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. So there's your recap for the the Kentucky basketball season. Obviously, you know, we we covered the postseason in just the last podcast as well, so you can go back and listen to those if you want to refresh your course. On all that, I do want to mention a couple like off the course stuff. Uh, obviously, the game against Arkansas, Tyler Hero's other famous quote where he says, I'm a bucket. And Kyle was wrong because he, <laughs> he, Kyle thought he said, What do you think he said? I'm a make it. Yeah, I'm a make it. Yeah. No, he, he was said. at
1: the free throw line at the end, icing that game. Uh, and I guess the guy was chattering at him a little bit and he just leaned over and said, I'm a bucket.
0: And he was. And then he
1: made both. And uh, we should note, which I don't think we have, he did end up uh, finishing, I believe, not only as the Kentucky, but also as the SEC uh, record holder for free throw percentage in a season. And I, I don't I don't even remember what he finished at. I think over 93%. Um, pretty remarkable season at the free throw line for Tyler Hero.
0: Yeah, there is no question about that. Um, the other thing that I came to mind, like, Noticed that I noticed this season was the fact that the fashion was in full force by so many players. Brad Calipari was at the forefront, but we do need to shout out like Tyler Hero wearing that floral jacket, Keldon Johnson always rocking skinny jeans that were ripped a lot of the times, Um and Kyle. I don't know if you updated your wardrobe based off those things, but I, I always in post game interviews I was kind of at the at the home games when they would obviously change before they came and talk to us. I'm like. What are these dudes going to be wearing now?
1: Yeah, I started. I uh, started getting myself some uh, skinny skinny pants, but it uh, doesn't work as well if you're not skinny. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, uh, I tried some high water uh, pants and just got laughed at everywhere I went. Uh, I don't think I could get away with printing. Uh, uh, who was the, Who's the Who's the villain that? Uh, Thanos is that his name? Yes, <laughs> with with Reed Travis's face on it uh, T shirt. I would. I think I might try the. I'm not. Uh, what is it? I'm not here for you. Uh, Brad Calipari T shirt. I like that one. Mm-hmm. I, may, I think I could pull that one off, but I, I don't. I'm not sure I could get away with any of the fashion. Any of the fashion that the uh, the youngsters were were
0: uh, sporting this year. I did ask Reed Travis about it once, and it made me feel good because. You know, he's not that much older than him than the the rest of the guys, but he also did kind of be like kinda of was like, What is that stuff? Like he was not he was not on board with, with skinny pants.
1: Reed Travis has an entire closet full of pressed and hung up khaki pants and three quarter <laughs> zip uh grey and earth tone sweaters and button downs. If Oxford button downs, without a doubt.
0: Would you vote for Reed Travis as president without even knowing any of his his stances on anything, just blindly?
1: Yes, but I mean, I would also vote for like a a random dude off the street right now for president, so. Uh, (laughs) But especially Reed Travis.
0: I I think that, you know, Reed Travis, I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to be super successful. That's the vibe overall I get from Reed Travis. Yeah, we were... He did his little... he did his little reveal today, like the video that he put out, and it—it because it portion of it was talking about how he watched Seinfeld and none of the other guys did. That just maybe it's just the age gap is less with him, but I always felt more connected with Reed Travis than anybody else.
1: When we talk about the sad things, you know, the stories we still didn't wanted to tell, and the, the you know the open locker room setting where you get a chance to to get. Spend a little time, more time with these guys, and tell stories in the postseason. The one that I'm disappointed about that I that I got wind of and was going to write this week at the Final Four is that uh, Reed Travis got Nick Richards hooked on Seinfeld.
0: Oh and, my!
1: And Nick Richards loves Seinfeld now. Tyler Hero, by the way, who didn't know what a genie was, also thought Seinfeld was a song. <laughs> So that makes me really sad, but I'm really happy about Nick Richards falling in love with Seinfeld because of Ray Travis.
0: That's where we're going to leave it on this, this edition <laughs> of the show. Thanks again to First Watch for sponsoring. Uh, go check out them and get you some delicious breakfast or lunch. Uh, that was fun, Kyle. I'm glad we got to recap the season like that. It was, there were a lot of high points, and it's, it's tough to when you're you know in the moment and down after the loss, but looking back on it, there was a, just so much fun. Uh, overall this year i felt like
1: yeah it was a good year there was good group good group of guys and you know like i said yesterday people that are being critical of the early exit like uh, you know if you're a kentucky fan there were a whole bunch of high points and like cool things and uh really good players with big moments and breakout games and funny or interesting or awesome you know quotes and uh you know you beat kansas louisville North Carolina, uh, mm-hmm. Tennessee. Yeah, in, in a season, that's a pretty good year,
0: without a doubt. Anything we forgot, hit us up on Twitter. Shoot us a tweet at LockedOnUK. Let us know if we missed maybe your favorite moment or a moment that stuck out in your mind. Also, find us on Facebook. Just search Locked On Kentucky. You can follow Kyle at Kyle Tucker underscore A T H. Read his work on the Athletic. Find me on Twitter at Curtis Birch B U R C H. Hear me weeknights on WLAP on Big Blue Insider and Sunday mornings 9 to noon on Sunday Morning Sports Talk. Also find my video interviews on BigBlueInsider.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, and most importantly, share this podcast. We really appreciate all the comments you guys leave us in the podcast players of your choice. It means a lot. And check out the Himalaya app. It's a new cool app uh, for podcasts, so go check that out. They're a partner uh, with the Locked On Network. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you soon are Locked On Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. What's up, homeboy? Can you hear me? I can hear you.
1: Good. This should work. I'm on this uh, light speed internet.
0: (sighs) Faster than I don't know what. (laughs) As long as you can hear me good, um, I think we're all set to go. (sighs) I got a bunch of stuff written down for the season, so we'll just roll over it.
1: Okay, let's do it.
0: All right.